Well, hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 206, and uh, I have been learning about podcast marketing, which I have done absolutely none of since starting this podcast however many years ago. That's not true. I have done all kinds of things. I'm, it's a little bit disingenuous. I, I have done the posting and the this and the that, but... Uh, I've, I've learned that there's like a whole world that I knew nothing of. Podcast reviewers, press kits. Wow! Uh, so I'm doing all that for the dragoning. Um, and at some point I'm going to get around to doing it for this podcast as well. But now is not that moment because I am overwhelmed enough with making audiograms for the dragoning to make some more audiograms for the songs for the struggling artist. So in the future, there will be some audiograms, uh, but that moment is not yet now. Uh, yeah, I'm really not gifted at marketing, which none of you will be surprised to learn, none. <laughs> I have a sense of how to do it. Like I've taken classes, I, I, know, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I do do those things, just, it's just, you know, it's just not my thing. And my numbers reflect that. (laughs) Anyway, you guys are great. Uh, Here I am. Uh, I'm going to read you this blog, which is uh, about Juliet Naked, which is a, uh, a book and then a film. And I was responding to the film, which I watched months and months and months ago, and I wrote this before the pandemic, um, but I didn't finish it. And so it was just kind of sitting in my, like, one day I'll finish this box. And then the pandemic happened, and it just was like, and now I'm going to talk about uh, a movie adaptation? Really? (laughs) And and then I did. So there you go. Um, I don't know if you need to be familiar with Juliet Naked to enjoy this podcast. I think you don't. I think there were people who read it and and enjoyed it regardless. And there are a couple of, like, spoilers, but I'm not sure it counts as a spoiler if there's no, like, great mystery. I mean, in a film that's structured as a romantic comedy, you you know who the person is going to go for in a love triangle, right? You, you know that information already. So that's pretty much the only major spoiler, I think, in this. Um, and I think, yeah, if you're waiting to see the movie, uh, I don't think I'd spoil anything. I'll just give you another perspective to watch it with. Uh, so anyway, here it is. Uh, it is called Something About Juliet Naked. Despite generally being a Nick Hornby fan, I resisted reading Juliet Naked for a while because of the title. When I finally read it, I remember being glad that it wasn't actually about a naked woman. I remember liking it, but I'm fairly certain I was in a different decade of my life then. After watching the film version, I find I'm curious to reread the book, to find out if it's as problematic as I found the movie. I was going to say sexist instead of problematic, but I'm not sure if the movie is as sexist as the world is. It just highlights some of the ways the world is sexist, and it's problematic for me because it's also a bit seductive. 
Ethan Hawke plays a rock star who has gone full Salinger and fallen off the map. Chris O'Dowd plays the leader of his fan club, and Rose Byrne plays Chris O'Dowd's girlfriend. It's a funny little music love triangle that deals with fandom, art, and change. Chris O'Dowd is clearly the Baxter, and Ethan Hawke is the sexy grandpa, and who will Rose Byrne choose? Spoiler alert! It's Ethan Hawke! As every Gen Xer knew she would, because Ethan Hawke is the Gen X dream man. Even as he lies in his hospital bed surrounded by all his ex-wives and neglected children, as a man who has always been a troubled cad. He's just become a grandpa, and he's grappling with all his past mistakes, and boy does that guy come with a whole train full of baggage. As a woman who is only a few years younger than Ethan Hawke, I found myself wanting to warn the younger Rose Byrne character to steer clear. Don't do it, Rose. All that baggage might seem like it's fun to overcome from where you're standing now, but you're not going to change him. But it's Ethan Hawke, so you sort of get it. Yes, that guy is trouble, but he's trouble in a way that seems fun. He has a heart attack and terrible relationships with all but one family member, but still, a charmer. He's a heck of a project for a guy in his late 40s. But the thing that troubles me is that there is no comparable story with a woman in her late 40s. No younger man comes along to absolve her of all her past sins and to help her make a comeback. In the Juliet Naked film, there was nary a woman over 35, as far as I could tell. Maybe one of his exes for a few seconds, but mostly not. The lead romantic interest had to be young because she wants to have a baby, and the drive to have a child is what drives a large portion of the plot. And I don't know. I guess I agreed with cranky, grumpy face O'Dowd's character who'd just rather not have kids. And I'm mad that there are never female characters who feel that way. There's something about the way movies talk about this that makes it feel like it is a woman's innate natural desire to reproduce. And if she doesn't, it's because some uptight man like Cranky Grumpy Face is in the way. The movie of Juliet Naked tweaks the standard romantic comedy story just enough to feel like it's subverting the genre while it actually reinforces it. There's just no way we could ever see its opposite. It's the same reason the gender swap of high fidelity doesn't really work. Because those types are so strongly gendered, and any reversal just makes it clear that that is not a world we live in. There are so many barriers in the way of gender swapping Juliet naked. Let me pitch it to you, and notice where all the stops are. In it, I've recast Ethan Hawke's character as Parker Posey, an indie Gen X dream girl. Byrne and O'Dowd have just switched roles. Spoilers implied. So, Chris O'Dowd is feeling unfulfilled in his life and relationship. He wants kids, but his long-term girlfriend, Rose Byrne, doesn't. Rose Byrne is a mega fan of a Patti Smith-like reclusive rock star played 
by Parker Posey. Parker Posey had a number of artistically successful albums and then disappeared. The mystery of what might have caused the disappearance keeps Rose and her fellow fans very busy on message boards. Then, someone sends a demo copy of Posey's hit album to Byrne, but O'Dowd hears it first. He listens to it before Byrne and declares it is not as good as the finished album. Then Byrne hears it and falls in love with the rawness of it. There is conflict, but they both write reviews of it, and Posey emails O'Dowd to tell him he's right. Posey and O'Dowd start an email relationship wherein they confess their baggage. Posey's is that she has had and abandoned four children and is finally giving motherhood a go with her fifth. She becomes a grandma when one of her erstwhile kids has a kid, and so she comes to the country O'Dowd is in. Then she promptly has a heart attack. O'Dowd comes to the hospital and discovers the noisy family who have come to see her. Posey invites herself to his house to recover from her heart attack. A romance blooms between the young O'Dowd and the aging Posey. Do you see how this movie is sort of impossible? I mean, I'd watch it because I love Parker Posey and it would be super weird, but also it would be super weird. But whatever, you know, man, whatever. The movie is problematic. So what? So what? I don't know. So what? For me, the so what is that there are so many things about this movie that I liked. So many twists on the romantic comedy structure that I found it very compelling. And it is its compellingness that makes it especially problematic for me. I felt sucked in by it and melancholy when it was over. I wanted those crazy kids to get together. Do they? But should they get together? No, I don't think so, actually. I think Ethan Hawke's character should get together with a woman his own age and not go around fathering any more children. And Rose Byrne's character should hook up with some nice man who'll make her dinner and worship the ground she gorgeously walks on. I mean, I don't know. There was just something about this movie that so insidiously cracked open the seams of the genre while also making me feel the usual things this genre makes a susceptible person feel. I don't like being a susceptible person, and I felt like this movie made me succumb to its charms and then left me in the record bin. Nostalgic for some lost time and also, like, disappointed? I can't recommend this movie, obviously, but if you watch it, Please tell me. I feel like I need some help sorting out the box of problematic things it revealed. And by problematic, I, I might mean sexist. So one friend who reads the blog uh, told me, she texted me to tell me that she nearly walked out of Juliet naked, but then got sucked in and had to stay <laughs> and resented it. So I, I think I'm not alone on this point. Uh, yeah, I'm still curious to know what other people experienced. And it's possible that, you know, more people are watching things these days. Um, although this one has probably fallen down a lot of, you know, a lot of lists. It's not like at the top of anyone's list. Um, yeah. So, uh, 
the, yeah, that's uh, the thing about Juliet Naked. Um, so for our song, of course it's Romeo and Juliet. And uh, what's going to be, I don't know if it's interesting about this song, but um, I know the song because of the Indigo Girls, because um, I was a huge, huge fan of the Indigo Girls in high school and beyond. And um, yeah, so I did not know the Dire Straits song at all. Uh, when I, you know, first heard this tune um, and then have subsequently heard the Dire Straits song and, you know, appreciate it and admire it. Uh, but in my brain, it is going to always, the first hit is always going to be Amy Ray just singing her heart out. Um, so I feel like what I've done here is I, you know, I listened to both of them the both versions, the, the Indigo Girls and the Dire Straits. And uh, I feel like in the end, it's kind of a hybrid. It's probably more Indigo Girls than it is Dire Straits, just because I, 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 Dire Straits, are not, they're not my band. <laughs> um, and, and, it, and they weren't the first. But there's, I, you know, I, I, think there's a little, I think there's a little Dire Straits in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's coming up. And meanwhile, if you like the podcast, tell someone about it. Uh, like, review, subscribe in Apple, especially anywhere you do the podcasts. Uh, do your thing. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, the places to do that are Patreon, patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis, or PayPal or Kofi. They're all different, but everybody has their preference. So do it up if you feel like it. Um, yeah. Oh, and listen to The Dragoning, if you would. We're at up, up to episode seven um, and uh, would love to hear you over there also. Um, you won't hear much of my voice. I'm mostly introducing and reading credits, but, um, but it is my voice in terms of my writing voice. So you're going to hear it the whole time if you think about it that way. Um, yeah. Okay. So... Uh, I think that's all. Um, I'm going to play for you here this uh, Romeo and Juliet, which I did. This is this. For, I was trying to decide. I did two takes of it. Um, and uh, this was the first one. I, I listened to both of them. I don't know. You know, I couldn't decide. But I was like, well, the first take is kind of the, my first hit. Um, so it's a little it's a little messier. It's a little maybe more raw than the other. Um, but I don't know. Maybe someday I'll give you the other one for, for just, you know, science. <laughs> uh -huh. Anyway, uh, enjoy Romeo and Juliet. Love struck Romeo, sings the streets a serenade and he Laying everybody low He's got a love song that he made He finds a convenient street light And he steps out of the shade And he says something like You and me, babe How about it? Juliet says, hey, it's Romeo He nearly gave me a heart attack Yeah, well, he's underneath my window singing Hey, love, my boyfriend's back You shouldn't come around here 
singing up to people like that well anyway what you gonna do about it but Juliet the dice were loaded from the start and I bet and you exploded into my heart and I forget I forget the movie song when you gonna realize it's just that the time was wrong Julie We both come up on different streets They were both the streets of shame You know they're both dirty, both mean Yeah, and even the dreams were the same I dreamed your dream for you, and now your dream is real. So tell me, honey, now how can you look at me as if I was just another one of your deals? Now you can fall for chains of silver, and you can fall for chains of gold. You fall for pretty strangers, and the promises they hold. Well, you promised me everything, and then you, and then you promised me thick and thin, and now you're just turn away and say, Romeo, I think I, I used to have a scene with him. Oh, Juliet, when we made love, you used to cry. You said, I love you like the stars above. I'm going to love you till I die. There's a place for us. I know you know this song. And when you're going to realize that it was just that the time was wrong. Julie Julie I can't do the talk Like they talk on my TV screen And I, I can't do a love song Not the way you sung them to me I can't do anything But I would do anything for you Oh now I can't do